Hello, welcome to Woodville Baptist Church online. And uh, my name's Chris, I'm the pastor here. And again, I just want to give you a warm welcome. Assalamu alaikum, ashamai. Uh, it's just great that you're joining with us again. Thank you, the regulars and those who are just dropping in and whatever time you watch this, I hope you'll be blessed. So today we're going to be continuing the, the series, we're in for quite a while now on Luke. And um, there's going to be a worship video from a fantastic bunch of people called Sound of Wales. So we'll see you the other side of our intro video. Bless you. Okay, so Luke, um, as I said before, you know, we're going to be going through the, the book of Luke, 24 chapters. I encourage you to be reading it uh, because I won't be reading uh, each, the chapter each week. I'll just be dealing with a specific part. So this week, I'm looking at Mary's song. So this is part two, Mary's song. Right, now, before I do the reading, I want to set the scene Sorry, there's a fly in here, and it's just decided out of this whole hall to come and fly around this bit. So I'll try not to get distracted. So setting the scene for today's um, story account, whatever, okay? So God has been silent. The last book that had been given was Malachi. That was 400 years ago. So basically, it's been silent from God for 400 years. Empires and rulers, some good, some not bad, have come and gone. World history has changed. The Jews, still there in their country, following the commandments that have been handed down from Moses and David about how they live and they worship, hoping that God would visit them and release them from the oppressors. At this point, the Roman oppressors. And the people would have been in a wide spectrum of faith. You know, some, some have gone in political groups, um, others anticipating Messiah, others sort of giving up. Others are taking matters into their own hand. There's already been violent revolutions a few hundred years ago, and, uh, and there, were, there were people wanting to do that again with the Romans. And some faithfully following the commands, just carrying on with the commands of God. And that brings us to, to, to the couple we're going to be looking at. Zechariah and Elizabeth, a very old couple, among the faithful and the obedient. They were waiting for Messiah, not able to have children, and that made Elizabeth's life especially hard, you know, in that culture. So Zechariah is a priest, and his turn has come to do temple duties. So he lives outside in a village outside of Jerusalem, and he comes in for his duty during the year and stays in Jerusalem and, and um you know, and, and, and does, does his shift, if you like, over a few weeks. And then, as we look at this story, he is chosen by lot to go into the holy place to burn incense. So they have this system where one priest is chosen, and it's a great honor. And he goes into the holy place, and this is the place in the temple that's between the courtyard and the Holy of Holies. So there's a Holy of Holies that the high priest goes into once a year, and there's the holy place just before that where the incense is burned and the, the, the lamp is kept burning. And um, then, then there's the court. So he's gone into this place. And they've been doing this, you know, day in, day out, day in, day out, hundreds of years. And God chooses this moment to step in quietly, but dynamically. And God starts to move. He sends the angel Gabriel 
in to meet with Zechariah in the holy place. And Gabriel says to Zechariah, your wife is going to become pregnant and will have a child. And this child is a very special child. He will cause many to turn back to God. And in fact, he will go before the Lord to prepare the way of the Lord. An incredible promise to give to this old man. And Zechariah, this priest and man of faith, says, how can I be certain of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. And the angel says, and I love the restraint the angel shows here. He says, I, I am Gabriel, sent by God, and it will happen. But you will be silent until it happens, as you did not believe me. And the angel departs. And Zechariah is left with the, with the task of going back out to the people who are outside in the courtyard, uh, now that he can't speak, and explaining to them that there's been an angelic visitation, uh, perhaps with signs and and writing. That must have been quite a challenge. Okay, so there's the first part of the story. About six months later, the scene shifts from the temple in Jerusalem, which was uh, the spiritual and political heart of the nation, up north, about 50 miles, 50 to 80 miles up north to Galilee, um, you know, which was, uh, you know, had a reputation, a bit of a sort of rough place. And the, and the scene changes to, a, to basically a nowhere village called Nazareth. It just doesn't feature in anything. Um, and the ordinary dwelling of a teenage woman called Mary. So the focus is shifting across. And it's also shifting from an elderly male with high status, you know, a part of the priesthood um, with a profession, to a young female of no status. And already there are hints of the kingdom of God, the upside down kingdom, the God of surprises is coming through all of this telling. And there's going to be another angelic visitation. So I'm going to read now uh, from Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month, of sixth, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So Gabriel's birth announcement tells us four things about Jesus. His stature, he is great. 
He is great. Now, this great is a description of God. It's used in Deuteronomy. So this is already, the revelation is coming here. There's something incredible is happening. His position, he's called the son of God, the son of the most high ruler. His authority, he is seated on Israel's throne forever. He's a forever king. Jesus is the promised king of the line of David. Many, many prophecies. This is the king. This is the king who will come and be on that throne forever. And then the divine connection, the Holy Spirit is involved. The Holy Spirit will come to you. So this is this incredible breaking in of God into this situation. Let's look at Mary's response and compare it to Zechariah. What the angel said to Zechariah was incredible. However, it had been done before. There were precedent. Abraham and Sarah, well advanced, had children. Other women in the Old Testament, Hannah. But what the angel said to Mary could only be miraculous. It had never happened before. It had never happened before. This had to be a miracle. And whereas Zechariah said, how do I know? In the message version, it says, do you expect me to believe this? He answers with that sort of, I, I'm not sure if I can go with this. He speaks in doubt. He asks for a sign, even though God had done it before. And Gabriel recognized that he's got doubt and he silences him. Let's compare Mary. Mary, rather than demanding to know how it can happen, explain it to me, responds in humility. She simply asks for information, which seems a fair point. I'm a virgin. And then she acted in obedience and faith. And she accepts that nothing is impossible for God, even though it was unprecedented. She is faithful and uncomplaining. And she says she is a slave of the Lord, a servant, which is actually an exalted status, uh, as that was a description for Joshua and David. Okay, then the angel leaves. This, this I find absolutely amazing. This incredible news and this revelation, and this, this is happening, and then he goes. And she's going to get on with this now. She's going to get on with her life. And her life, talk about turned upside down. She, she's a marked woman. You imagine the gossip and everything. She's betrothed, but she's not married. Okay? And she's got to get on with this. Let's go to the next part of the story. Excuse me. Next part of the story, when Elizabeth is, uh, is six months pregnant, Mary goes to see her and Elizabeth recognizes how special that pregnancy is. In fact, she's the first to declare the Messiah is coming. She says to Mary, mother of my Lord. Isn't that amazing? Another example where a woman in this, in this culture get, get the first revelations of a move of God. And then we come to Mary's song. This is really the heart of it. That was a sort of introduction. Mary sang, and this is Luke 1, 47 to 54. Oh, and this is a joyful song, okay? This is a joyful song. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The song is joyful. It's full of scripture. There's scripture from all over the place there. All, all over the place. I'm not going to go into the detail of that. It's a great study. But the theme of this is God's loyal love. He is loyal to those he puts his love upon and he will bring down those who oppose him. And in fact, the Magnificat, as it's called, coming from the Latin, where she says glorify the soul, magnify the soul, if you like, the Magnificat, that's what it's known as. It seems radical, doesn't it? You know, the hungry were fed, the rich sent away, turning upside down, this is chaos. But actually it contains lots of truths from the Old Testament, going back to Abraham and the Exodus, particularly the expression, show your arm of strength, right the way through the Bible. And it's containing elements of the Psalms and the prophets, like I said, and also that the thing from the prophets of this is what God wants. He, he, he will bring the, the proud down. He will put the rich down. Now, I've got to mention something here. I don't want to really, you know, go down a rabbit hole and open something up here. But the song, a lot of the song is what is in the Greek tense called the aorist tense. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. It's quite a complicated language. But what I understand from this is this sort of blurs the line of time. It sort of takes the past and the present and the future. And it talks about, particularly in this, it talks about what God has been doing, he is doing, and he will do. And it's that idea of bringing the, 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 what God has been doing and what are, the, what are the values of God, what is important to God, what is God working out, his purposes, into the future. And this is why this is such an amazing moment you know, in the history of God's dealings with people, because he's bringing this stuff into the future and he's pointing towards the kingdom of God on earth, the kingdom of Christ, the upside down kingdom. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Mary, not the angel, gives us this revelation. Mary has worked this through in the, in the time since it happened. Mary has worked this through and she's come up with this amazing, amazing song that the kingdom breaking out is the kingdom of God, the upside down kingdom. I, I need to say that a couple of times. I was already shown this at the beginning, as I said, the way that it went from the temple to her, the way that God moved from the power to the weak. <laughs> I can get quite excited about this. One key element about this song of Mary concerns the rich, the proud, and the mighty, okay? Um, a nice quote is, the proud look down on others because they don't look up to God. And, and, and it's that thing of if we're not submitted to God, we, we, we can easily compare ourselves to others, and sometimes in a proud way. And often for the rich to have riches, others are deprived of what they need to survive. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money, but there, there are whole values around it, aren't there, and how the money is used and everything. And the mighty, when it talks about the mighty there, the people who are self-sufficient, maybe they're rulers, and they don't see the need for salvation or any change. They, they exalt themselves rather than being humble, letting God exalt them, they exalt themselves. And that's the key of sinfulness. And part of what this is saying is God is leveling the playing field so that all can share. And there's a quote which I like, he is the great overturner. He is the overturner of those things. And of course, the great overturning, the great act of overturning, it's coming in here. Christ coming to us. The amazing part of it was the cross, where the king of kings wore a crown of thorns. Where his throne was a cross. And this is where all of our riches come for nothing. And our pride is confronted by the true 
greatness of Christ, laying down his life for the sake of the lost, the least, the last, us. There's three things I'd like to bring out of this very quickly as I, as I begin to bring this to a finish. We need to know the scriptures. Mary had that context in this song, the big context of what God had done and therefore got what, what God is doing and what God will do. She could join it all together. It fed her faith. It gave her the big vision. We need to know the word. We, we must know the word so we're not flying around all over the place on circumstances and up and down all over the place because God is consistent and he keeps his promises. The second thing is who God chooses. Who has God chosen here? He's chosen, he's chosen this, this young woman, this teenager, you know, in the back of beyond to reveal this incredible work in the kingdom. And there's a reminder here, 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 29. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many influential, not many of noble birth. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things and the despised things and the things that are not hardly there to nullify the things that are. That's how God works. He chooses the lowest. And this is so no one may boast before him. The last, the least, and the lost. That's where God's going. That's what he's looking at. This is my final point. The Magnificat is radical, but it's not a call to violent revolution. It's not saying go out and do this, strike down the rich, lift up the poor, whatever. That's the wrong response. Taking it into our hands and saying, we got this God, that's the wrong response. Jesus says, love your enemies in Luke 6, in the Beatitudes, which will be coming. However, this is, I believe, if we're trying to work this out, a call to a radical lifestyle, to show what it means to serve the King of the Cross. So we need to examine ourselves in terms of our pride and, and, and how we use the power and influence we got. But what I would like us to look at briefly here is riches. Because if you are, you know, you know in a Western democracy and, and you're reasonably well off, and you, if you're watching this on a computer and so on, we are among the richest people in the world, just in terms of, of, of where we're at and what we have and income and stuff. We may not think of ourselves as rich, but in, compared with the whole world, we are rich because there are so many people in poverty out there. So the challenge is now moving from the pages of Scripture right into our lives and our hearts. And you've got to ask a question. Do our lifestyles cause others to go without? You know, and I'm saying that to, to maybe be looking at, at how our lifestyles affect others. And are we prepared for God to upset our lives for the sake of his kingdom? Mary says, I will glorify the Lord. I will exalt him. I, I will glory and give, give him the glory and credit. And I, I read a lovely thing this week uh, about glorifying the Lord. It's almost like if you imagine a, a really impressive building, um, like there's a museum in Cardiff, beautiful building, and at night it has lights on it. And it's almost like we are the light. Not, 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 not that you know, we have our own light, but, but you don't know about the light, but you see the building. Do you see what I'm saying? The light casts its light upon the building to bring the glory of the building out. And that's what our lives should do. Not just, you know, in our praise and our worship that lifts up the Lord, but in our lives, in our lives of, of how we use our riches, how we use our influence.
Is, is that glorifying God in our lives? Do people look at us and say, I want to glorify God because of what I see in you? I know there's a lot of challenges this week, but I really want, this is what this word is doing to us. It's going to be exercising us in this way. I'm going to uh, finish. There's a, this quote from a guy called David Garland who wrote one of the commentaries I looked at. Christians can get so wrapped up in, our, in, in their own world that we can fail to see what God has planned and promised. We must not leave it to those we think are more able. We, we, we must perhaps take to ourselves Mary's prayer. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What's God saying to you? Work that out with him. Right, thank you. Um, that, that sort of basically con concludes that. Uh, I know that was quite strong. Right, just go back to the God of grace, work it out with him. The Lord loves you. Now we're going to go to a, a bit of worship from the, this, the collective, the worship collective known as Sound of Wales. So I, I, I know you'll enjoy this. I'll see you the other side. God bless. So, hello again. I hope you enjoyed that, uh, that worship segment. And that brings us to the end of our service. I hope you've, you've enjoyed that. I hope you've been challenged as well. I, I'm finding this word very challenging. It's very interesting looking at the, uh, you know, going in, into depth with this. But um, there's a real challenge in here. And this is going to continue, I think, as we really investigate what, what Luke is trying to say. He paints his picture in many ways. Anyway, you, you, you'll have the contact details afterwards if you want to get back to us in any way. And um, I really, I really trust that you have a, a blessed week and, and the Lord protects you and causes his face to shine upon you and he's gracious unto you. He's a gracious God, remember. He's, he's, he's not shouting at you as I tend to do when I get a bit excited. He just loves you and he's drawing you in. So I just pray in the name of Jesus, you just be able to walk with him this week and uh, just open your heart to him. Let him know all the worries and stresses that you have. Just pour that out to him. He is faithful and good and he will bless you. God bless you. And I won't see you next week, but maybe you'll see me if you join again. Cheers. <laughs>